Our opening sequence is a series of pictures being flipped through like a book. There's a photo of Fatima Sanchez waiting outside the gate of Point Claire, dark circles under her eyes. Next is Rosalie Mercier looking out the window of a room in her manor, lines of worry etched on her face. The next few visages, Anna Rosenberg, Finn Kong, Cassius, Eric Zarn, Astrid, and Ileana Margaret are all quickly flipped through, ending on a picture of Theodora Lockwood in the country club, being attended to by one Jonathan. Two things right quick before we jump in today. We have updated our lines and veils, and we just wanted to kind of revisit that. First, we have put things being put in eyes that shouldn't be there on our lines, so you can expect that moving forward. And then we went ahead and put global pandemics on the veils. Yes, this is 2020 in St. Fleur. Yes, it's set in a urban fantasy version of the United States. No, there's no pandemic. Nobody wants to play that, so it's just not going to happen. Also, before we get started playing, playing, I want to revisit the vampire's web because it's been a bit and this thematically feels like a good time to go do that intro move so at this point i've got a couple of good candidates but i think the one i'm gonna check in on is rosalie mercier because in a couple of days we are having a meeting and i might want a little bit of ammunition for that is there anything in particular you're gunning for or interested in i think something that revolves around her involvement with the Point Claire Parish, the big, you know, church power group, because that's going to be a focus of the next couple of days for Alex, at least. Near the end of last year, Rosalie made a deal with some of the demon avatars, so to speak, of the city to gain additional power within her own bank as she's working towards this kind of unseating of Fleur's Watch. Making those sort of like power deals, not that any everyone in Fleur's Watch never deals with demons, but you are never supposed to be indebted to them. All of your deals should be like paid up front, basically, etc. Rosalie didn't do that. Rosalie left a lot of loose ends in the search to get more power behind rituals that she is working on casting long term. And if that comes to light within the broader organization, there would definitely be some hell coming down on her. Awesome. And just to make sure, these are demonic spiritual avatars of the city itself. So kind of like the representatives of the demons in the city. And that's part of what we kind of saw with Rosalie getting called on so easily by a demon. She's in a little over her head. That is very useful. Thank you. All right. And I think I want to pick back up in the Margaret household. Excellent. Bit of a recap from last time. You found out that your mom, Astrid, is slated to be the next floor. And then you mentioned something about how it might be kind of hard since people might want to kill you after what happened last night. And Astrid was like, what happened last night? And turned to Ileana and Ileana gave you a death stare. I killed a lot of hunters last night. And Ileana puts the newspaper down and turns towards Astrid and said, we took care of most of them. It's nothing to worry about. And Astrid's like, when you came and injured, I didn't know that it was hunters starting to kind of make the connection that last night Ileana might have been in more danger than Astrid had known. You told me you were just going to pay a debt. I understood, but Ileana was just, I didn't want to worry you anymore. 
It wasn't a big deal. It's not like they were well-armed or anything. I think you kind of need to roll to mislead, distract, or trick. That is a four. Victor, Astrid has always been the more empathetic one of the two. She let a lot of lies with you go growing up, you know, sneaking out, whatever. Kids will be kids. But when you say that, she just immediately clues into the fact that you're lying. 100%. And she just looks at Ileana, takes a deep breath. You don't see Astrid get angry very often, but you know she's on the brink right now. You're going to let me tend to your wounds properly. You're going to tell me what exactly happened. And then she turns to you and she's in that full on, I'm going to tell you what to do mode. You're going to go lay low somewhere for a little bit after you get the vehicle. And hopefully this all blows over. Can I go get a weapon? She like reaches out and she puts her hand on your upper arm and just kind of like stands there for a minute. And then, yes, but please be careful. Of course. I guess I'll uh, head out. I'll uh, see you two later. Feel free to call me. No new number this time? I'll let you know if that happens. Phones, you know, they're so flimsy. Love you, moms. Love Love you. you. And I head out and go and sit at the bus stop. Ugh. Well, it's not really my fault. She should have told mom that she got hurt real. You know what? I'm not going to worry about it. And on that, we pan back over to the Lockwood Manor, where there's a party. So I'm trying to remember, like, specifically where we left off in this scene. Silk was just having finished everything he needed to do with uh, Niberius and was just having fun small talk with him, with you guys sitting around awkwardly. So is the demon portal still open? Uh, I think it is right now, yes. I would like to close it. Do you feel like this is a keep your cool, or do you feel like you're letting it out? I'd say it's probably letting it out here. All right, go ahead and roll to let it out. That's an 11. I will, I guess, take definitive hold of something. And I think I want to impress my opposition here in the sense that, like, I'm just kind of I don't know whether he, like, snaps his fingers or just, like, a wave of his hand. I want Alistair to be kind of showing off his magical prowess. Yeah, I think that definitely tracks, especially since you're, like, literally closing the portal on him. There's a twinge more of respect from Niberius for you. Yeah, I mean, I figured I'm not going to, like, gain his whole respect, but I want just to make that impression. Then Alistair looks at the two left in his basement and says, So, do we want to bring my dear cousin over now, or did you all have things that you would rather tend to first? I'm admittedly quite the impatient person, so I'd rather get this done sooner than later, if at all possible. Well, I can certainly give her a call. She was already expecting this introduction. What you do with her is your business, of course. To be honest, this is the most people that have been inside of my house in quite some time, and I'd really rather get this over with, if you don't mind. I actually think I would just text Theodora and say the introduction is done, 
and that I use the Lockwood Manor's accoutrements to do it. I don't think I actually want to talk to her. You get back a text that says, so I have to go to my dear cousin's house and has an eye roll emoji. <laughs> text back. Lol. Yeah. Thumbs down. Jeremiah, what are you doing? Jeremiah's just been like quietly watching this. He's going to pull out a cigarette and head upstairs. He wants to call Victor first before fun things start happening. You may call Victor first. All right. Jeremiah, once out of earshot at everyone, he's going to call Victor. Victor pulls his phone out of his thick jacket's pocket, stands up from the metal bench next to the bus stop. Hello. Victor, we have a problem. A new one? Or? New one. Great. Alistair and Silk just decided to call up a demon by the name of Niberius, and Silk gave him your name. To what end? Wait, this is the demon of the guy I killed. Yeah, I think I missed that part, but sure. Yeah, probably. Great. That's just great. Yes. I don't know how immediate of a problem. Is the demon on the loose? No. He is, uh, wherever they exist. I think that's uh, hell. I think it's hell. I think we have a more immediate problem that Alistair wants to throw his cousin into that portal to use as a host for him. What the fuck are these guys doing in that basement? Well, I'm stealing his books. I don't know what the other two are doing. And Lockward petty bickering, it goes back centuries. All right, don't worry. I'm going to get a car and a gun. I'll be there soon. All right, probably don't come to the manor. That might end badly. Do you know what my apartment is? I don't think I do. You have never invited me over. Well, now you can come over. Jeremiah will give Victor the address of his apartment. We should probably prepare beforehand. Thanks for the heads up, Jeremiah. Yeah, um, I like you, Victor. I wouldn't want you to get eaten by a demon or possessed or whatever fuck they have planned for you. Yeah, me neither. All right, I'll see you later. See you. Alistair, your phone's ringing. I look at the screen to see who's calling me. It is your dear cousin, Theodora. I slide my finger across to answer it, put it on speaker, and say, Hello. Hello, Alistair. How are you today? Oh, you know, just more of the usual. Demons coming through the basement, the world around us going to shit. It's a lovely day in the neighborhood. Right, right. Demons in the basement. That sounds like something that I should come take a look at. I don't suppose you'd be willing to let me come over and borrow that portal for, like, 30 minutes? Oh, to, uh, what end, might I ask? Roll to figure someone out. That's a 13. So you actually get to hold three. I think my first one is going to be who's pulling your character's strings? Right now... Nobody is pulling Theodora's strings. Theodora is pulling her own strings. She is somebody who has her own faction and is, like, running her own power play. She's not answering to anybody else right now. Okay. Second question. What's your character hoping to get from communicating with a demon? Theodora doesn't want to be a host. She's not looking to go the route of becoming more of a tainted, but she is looking for a patron, so to speak, 
who can supply her with additional arcane information and knowledge. That's been lost because somebody doesn't take care of their damn basement. What does your character worry might happen is going to be my final question. Right now, Theodora is worried about losing her hold. She can tell, slash knows, because she definitely was at the gala, that there's a power void right now. And she's worried that if she doesn't do something and do something quick, her position and her power is going to get sucked up in that void and she's going to end up worse off for it. So this is basically just a straight up power play. Basically. It runs in the Lockwood family. It's just a little bit more straightforward than Alistair's probably used to. I think he's happy with that information, though, or at least it seems a bit more straightforward. Yeah, you got all of it in kind of a weird roundabout conversation from her. Okay, so I think he's happy knowing that information. And he just says, well, I do have company over that I'd quite like to keep entertaining, but I suppose you can drop by for a short amount of time. Just know that you'll owe me one in the future, dear cousin. Of course, I wouldn't expect anything less from this arrangement. Then I shall see you shortly. Of course, and... Alistair hangs up. Does anybody else want anything out of this scene before I go see what's up with Alex? I don't have anything particular to do. I'm probably like upstairs playing chess with Julian or something. That sounds about right. Jeremiah's just going to finish up his cigarette and go back to scanning books. We then threw camera magic find ourselves in alex's office i would like to establish a shot over alex's shoulder at the desk immediately after having gotten this email from eric zarn where alex has tabbed over and has placed an order at a little korean place down the street because Cass said she was hungry so he's prioritizing that but with that done he is going to move back over to this information from eric zarn because you know important right So I'll give you the highlights of what's in the file. He sent you a zip folder that has a lot of different information in it. And what you can kind of quickly gather from what you're looking at is that Cass was given up at birth. Her mom's name is redacted off of all of the paperwork, but her mom was younger, teenage, and she wasn't able to find somebody evidently or didn't try to find somebody to adopt Cass at the time and completely signed away parental rights. Originally, Cass went into state care, but was fairly quickly transferred to the Point Clare Parish Orphanage just due to like where beds were available at the time. And surprisingly, even though there were a couple of different, especially earlier in her life when she was younger, there were a couple of different people who applied to adopt her. They always seemed to get denied for obscure reasons. And Zarn included a note in the file about how Cass isn't the only orphaned child that that pattern can be seen with if you really start to dig into the orphanage's files. And then. What you can tell is that the date that she was emancipated and all that paperwork was filed relatively quickly and approved incredibly quickly is the day after your singer friend, whose name I can never remember, died. Karina. It is. And I'm sure because you're you that you would remember the date that Karina died. And the date that Cass was emancipated is literally the day after. 
What you also note is that her name was not Cass on any of this paperwork. Her name was Serenity Flynn originally. And you can tell that Zari must have some really good connections because all of the like the name change paperwork was purged from public record, basically. Like it's real impressive that he got this as quickly as he did. And it looks like it was Cass herself who initiated the name change after she was emancipated. And there's kind of just this gap in any record of her for a couple of years before she like pops back up at one of the local universities. So with that information, Alex is going to, you know, obviously take a minute to sort of digest that. But then, and assumedly, probably about the time that food is arriving, is going to head up to have a talk with Cass. Of course, the food gets there at the same time. Convenient timing. So he brings it upstairs, and Alex's apartment is surprisingly comfortable for something he never uses. But it obviously is not a place that a human being would put together. He heads upstairs and, uh, you know, is plating food and looks over at Cass. First off, is this Cass or is this Leon at this point? She's Cass right now. She's found some paper somewhere and is like jotting down some notes. And Alex looks over. Uh, I thought you would like to know Anastasia came by last night while you were getting settled in. Her face looks kind of like conflicted a little when you mention Anastasia, but she just nods a little bit and thanks for letting me know. Yes, I, I didn't know if you would feel up to speaking with her last night, so I did assure her that you were safe, though. So you said that you were in the Pointe Claire Parish until you were 13. Mm-hmm. And that you are not entirely sure of why you were let go when you were. Correct. And Alex looks a little bit conflicted here. Does the name Karina Novik mean anything to you? Cass, like, tilts her head a little bit, kind of like she's thinking and for a minute you think you see a glimmer of recognition and then not particularly she was an old friend of mine and she died the day before you were let go hmm. probably just a coincidence alex is gonna you know sit down hand her some food this is and i apologize a little bit of a sensitive subject you have been investigating things for the Supernatural Society for a while now. What exactly brought you to them? Um, well, I just followed my gut. Look, I, I've been doing some research, and it's to establish some facts about you. So I'd like to just ask you some questions, if that's all right. She visibly gets a little on edge when you say that, but what is she supposed to do right now besides go along with it? But you can feel that kind of like shift in the air. Yeah, and Alex definitely recognizes that because he knows this is going to be an awkward conversation, right? Yeah. I don't think that you're... Well, let me not beat around the bush. I have a very clear idea of what happens when you black out. And I want to make sure whether you know anything about this. Because I am of two minds at this point. So, Cassandra, you told me that sometimes you lose consciousness and then come to in strange places or strange circumstances. Do you have any idea of what's happening during those times? 
camera lingers on Cass's face for a moment. And as she opens her mouth to say something, we cut. Hey, Victor, how's waiting for the bus life treating you? It's great. I've gotten on a bus. What are you going for first? I'm going to go and get that car because I don't know where I need to go to find this Celia Mendoza. So I'm going to go down to the impound and see if my mom has called in that favor. Do I need to hit the streets to do this? Yes, I want you to roll with mortality and like you're going to get the car. This is going to impact what type of car you're going to get. Not that you're going to get anything nice regardless, but. That is a partial success. On a seven to nine, choose one. Whoever you're going to is juggling their own problems or whatever you need is more costly than anticipated. I think it's the second. I think it's going to cost me something too. So when you get to the impound, you notice that it's only the, I mean, it is the day after the full moon, so it's only the human cops working it today. And you don't really know any of them very well. They recognize you as the chief's son, but Ileana doesn't have quite the hold on all of the humans as she does on the wolves. I mean, she tries. She does her best. And so even though the favor has been called in, the person who you speak to, this is going to be Officer Diaz. We should bring her back in. The cop that uh, Jeremiah seduced. Officer Diaz knows that you know Jeremiah, and Jeremiah's been kind of avoiding her calls. Mm-hmm. Or at least he hasn't called her, and she had expectations, okay? And so she's kind of like... Standing there looking at you has the keys to the crappy Honda Civic that you're going to get. And it's like, aren't you friends with the weird, sad fella? Victor smiles and does a little bit of laugh. I know a lot of weird, sad fellows. Okay, well, the one who was there with the weird murder in the circlet, he was there to visit uh, Kieran. And then Victor, like, nods, oh, yeah, Jeremiah, I know him. And you, like, get him to call me he was supposed to, and he never did. Well, he changes phones pretty often. He gets them wet. I don't know what's up with that. I can give you his new number. That would be great. So there you go. The extra price is giving Officer Diaz Jeremiah's personal phone number and not the business one that's set up to forward to his cell phone. So, yeah, I just pull up my phone and write down... The number he just called me from. Ah, thank you so much, Victor. And Officer Diaz smiles at you as she hands you the keys. And don't worry, we'll make sure all the paperwork just gets taken care of. Thank you. I appreciate it. Victor goes over to the car, gets in, and drives off. And as we get that shot, we move back to the Lockwood Manor, where there's a knock on the door. Alistair would attempt to be the one to open it, unless somebody else wants to beat him there. Alistair? There's someone at the door? Alistair ignores the tone of Silk as he goes and opens the door to, I'm hoping slash assuming, Theodora. It is in fact Theodora. She is dressed down today. Surprisingly casual for a Thursday. Oh, Theodora, I haven't... Seen you looking quite that drab in some time. Is everything all right? 
Well, unlike you, dear cousin, not all of us need to prove our importance with every little single thing we do. Well, generally, when one seeks to consort with a demon, one might look to make a good first impression, but if that's the kind of message you want to send, do come on in. She definitely rolls her eyes a little bit as she's walking in, clearly not in the mood for all this brightness. Do you have the uh, clown lapel pin on? The magic item to trap her? Yes, I would have that on. That would be smart. Alistair will step aside and let her in and close the door behind her. Would you like to get straight down to it, or would you rather uh, kill some time first? Well, you seemed like you weren't too excited to host me today, and I can see that you uh, have company still. And she, Silk, she waves slightly at you. I'm assuming you and Julian are on still the exact same game of chess you were on 45 minutes ago. Silk waves uh, without looking. Click. You'll move. Rather odd group you have there, but okay. Ah, well, most of them are not here by my own decision. And he will walk over and open the door to the basement. Jeremiah, are you still working away in the basement? He's got a lot of books to scan. So, yeah, he's going to be at this a while. Have you met Theodora yet? We'll find out, because Jeremiah's going to put a face to a name. Please do that with power as you see Theodora Lockwood wearing some nice tailored mom jeans and a loose sweater walking down the stairs. Uh Uh-oh, that's a miss. You've met Theodora before. She hired you a while back, and you weren't able to get quite exactly what she was looking for. It was a little subpar. And you've kind of owed her sense, and she's just been sitting on that. Jeremiah will look up from the scanning, see Theodora. Oh no. Oh, do the two of you know each other? Theodora, nice to see you again. She smiles at you and, like, walks over to greet you, does, like, the air kiss thing. Oh, Jeremiah, always a pleasure. Oh, you two must not know each other. He will curtly extend a hand. Oh, I mean, if you're going to be that cold. And she shakes your hand, and I'm sure I might have some work for you soon, but not what I'm here for today, don't worry. Right. Anyway, I'm just browsing your cousin's library Hmm. in its uh, unfortunate state. She takes note of the scanner, but doesn't make any comment about it, and instead turns back to Alistair and is like, well, since you don't want to host me for long, I suppose we should get to business. Yes, let's, uh, well... If you don't mind, I would quite like to see how this plays out. Jeremiah is going to quietly get his gun ready, just in case shit goes down again. Oh yeah, Alistair's packing his magical focus at the moment, which is to say, gun. If I may interject, I would like to call in a debt on Jeremiah via text. Alright. I would like you to interfere with the demon summoning business do you have a specific manner like do you want me to just like shoot Theodora in the back of the head because jeremiah's willing to do that i do not have a specifics it's very conditional like if you see a way to stop this please do jeremiah will uh text back i'll do my best victor texting while driving thanks Alistair, so you see theodora kind of she's weighing whether or not she wants to guilt you into letting her do this alone 
Do you have a good reason for wanting to see how this goes? I did agree to your little arrangement that we had when we first met up. So, I mean, I feel like you would say owe me one for that. I did put myself into danger for you. And honestly, I just would like to see, well, it's never been of my own volition that I'm using this portal. I'd like to see how it goes when people use it on purpose, if you get my meaning. So basically, I'm cashing in the debt that I got from her way back in the beginning of the game for meeting up with the people in the spooky church. Very well, then. And kind of like steps over towards the portal, removing her gloves as she does step over and placing them like in her coat pocket. As Alistair is behind her, can I go ahead and roll to channel my magics just in case things go poorly? Uh, yeah, go for it. That is an eight. Hold three and choose one from the list below. So I'm going to mark corruption there. Because this whole sort of scene is very much not on the up and up. What does it look like as Alistair's channeling? I imagine, like, as she steps in front of him, you see his mouth moving to, say, various incantations and such. But very slightly, he's saying it under his breath. So it's almost like uh, watching a ventriloquist. And I think he's tracing some arcane sigils, not in the air, but probably, like, in his pocket against his thigh or something. And as he does that, we see something similar being mirrored for Theodora as her hand comes out of her pocket and there is a silver chain wrapped around her wrist with an symbol carved into obsidian that can't quite be made out on screen in her palm. And as it lights up, you can't quite make out what she's muttering under her breath. The portal in front of you flares up a red for a moment before settling into like a mistier purple. Jeremiah would like to attempt to let it out. Sure, go for it. How is he doing this? What's he going after? Jeremiah may not be a master of the arcane arts, but he does know a thing or two about magic. He is well aware of that. Certain kinds of magic don't interact well and cancel each other out. So he's going to throw a spanner over works, as it were, and just sort of chuck maybe a more sort of like divinely aligned artifact into that portal to mess with the summoning. Okay, roll for it. That's a 12. We're going to take definite hold of something vulnerable or exposed. Uh, in this case, we are taking hold of a ritual and disrupting it. We'll take the corruption and also frighten the opposition. In this case... Alistair and Theodora, and maybe a demon if they're nearby. So did you literally just, like, chuck a holy symbol, like, from across the room into this portal? Yep. So, like, wasn't sneaky at all, legitimately just chucked a holy symbol? Yeah. Okay. Jeremiah has no time for subtlety right now. It's not so much you're chucking the uh, holy symbol into the portal that frightens Theodora, as much as it is the ensuing minor explosion 
of both her own magics, the portal's magic, and the holy symbol all colliding at once, which is not good, and she's the one standing right there. She's able to do that jump roll thing out of the way, but it definitely looked like that backlashed on her a little. Jeremiah is going to have his weapon drawn and is advancing on Theodora. Stop. Now. Alistair, are you doing anything? Can I roll to figure out what Jeremiah is trying to accomplish here? Sure. Because I think depending on what he's doing is going to be whether Alistair wants this to go through or not. That's a nine. You want to hit hold two on a seven nine? They hold one on you as well. What's your character's beef with Theodora? Like, why are you trying to stop her from doing this? Jeremiah's beef is with attempting to summon a demon part. You think back, and when Silk was dropping Victor's name, there were a couple brief moments where Jeremiah's composed facade cracked, and he looked very upset and angry. Someone would go and do this. He is protecting Victor from the machinations of this demonic summoning. Theodore just happens to be the most immediate target for this right now. Since I have another question, I'm not sure if this has an easy answer, but how could I get your character to not get in the way of this? Find a way to ensure Victor is in no way a part of this. If he can guarantee Victor's safety from Liberius, Jeremiah will back off. Okay. Do you want to ask yours before I make my next stupid decision? How could I get Alistair to stop messing around with demons? At least over time being. So I'm trying to remember what information Jeremiah has to sort of tell you how you'd figure this out. But Alistair wants answers about his parents' death. So if Jeremiah had access to that information, he would much rather go that route than make deals with demons. But the demon promised that he has information, so that's what Alistair's going for here. So I think Jeremiah knows in general Alistair wants his family put back on a pedestal and wants to avenge whatever happened with his parents' deaths. That's his main motivation. That's not really a secret at all. I feel like Jeremiah is smart enough to put two and two together there. And does Jeremiah have the gun, like, flush against Theodora, or is he, like, standing back from her a bit? Jeremiah's not stupid. He has some distance between himself and Theodora. Okay, Alistair isn't smart, so he's going to step between Jeremiah and Theodora. Jeremiah, I do ask you to stand down. I'd rather like to see what happens here, if you don't mind. I have no compunction against shooting you, Alistair. Well, that's not much of a surprise. If that's what it comes down to, then perhaps that's what it comes down to. And... Alistair is going to allow some lightning to pulse in his hands, threateningly towards Jeremiah. Alistair, do you really think that demon is going to help you? Do you even know what that thing is? They don't tell the truth. Honestly, they're even worse than the fairies in this regard. He's going to promise you whatever you want. Gold, truth, knowledge, it doesn't matter. It's all lies. You're just going to end up its fucking slave. But I'll be a slave with answers, won't I? Alistair, I hate you. 
I hate your guts. I hate everything you fucking stand for. And I hate that you're a shadow of your former legacy. But I want you to know, do not meddle in this. Do not meddle with these powers. You want answers about something? I think I know what that is. And I think I can get those answers for you. Safer. And without resorting to these powers. Because there's no end if you go down this route. There's no secret knowledge. You won't gain anything but servitude to that thing. It'll eat you out and you won't have good pleasure to die in the end. You will live in that realm for the rest of your life if you let it into you. And why would you give a fuck about that? I have had experiences in that regard. I hope you know I didn't just pop into existence five years ago when I came to this city. You don't get to know those. Now, back away, or I will shoot. And I would like to make sure Theodora understands the same thing. I just told you. Nothing good is of this. Is Theodora doing anything as all this is going on? As this conversation was taking place, in the background of that shot, we've seen Theodora get back onto her feet. And there is gold fire starting to form in one of her hands. She looks more than a little pissed off. Alistair says over his shoulder, Theodora, do please make this quick. And I would like to launch a lightning attack, specifically to knock the gun out of Jeremiah's hand. I don't want to hurt him, I just want to take the gun from him. I mean, this is still going to be an unleash an attack. Because you're trying to take something from them. Right. And then, depending on how this goes, Jeremiah might still get a persuade an NPC role. Quick check that this is okay with everybody before I do that. Yeah. Bring it, motherfucker. Okay. Jeremiah's ready to throw down. Since I'm making bad decisions, I can mark corruption to roll with spirit, which is a nine. So, on a hit, you inflict harm as established and choose one. So I would like to take something from him, that being the gun. And let's say fair's fair, and I will take harm from him as well. Jeremiah, how do you harm Alistair in this process? I think I just let a shot off. How much damage does your gun do, and how much damage does your electricity do? Gun is two harm. The electricity is three harm. Yeah, that ticks Alistair up into critical harm territory. Jeremiah, because Alistair is bleeding out, I still want you to persuade an NPC with threats. All right. Well, I'm going to take a scar from Alistair's attack because Jeremiah doesn't want to die. And Free would throw me down and fill up my critical. So he's going to take Shattered. So for our listeners at home, since this is the first time we've had to do this, there is an option in Urban Shadows that when you go to take harm, instead of taking the harm, you can take a scar. There are four scars total, and each scar will give you a minus one to a certain stat, depending on which scar you choose. But this will let Jeremiah completely avoid this harm. All right. Persuasion. Yeah, that's a miss. Jeremiah was not persuasive. What happens is as the two of you are having this fight going on and Alistair turns to Theodora and is like, oh, make it quick. She leaps into the portal 
reactivates it ever so briefly and disappears out of sight before you can do anything about it, Jeremiah. And that's where we're going to cut back to a lovely lunch conversation. Alex, you had just asked Cass, you want to make sure that she has no clue what's going on during these blackouts. Yeah, he's basically told her that he has an idea of what's happening, but he wants to know if she does. She fiddles with the napkin that she had from the Korean place a little bit. And I mean, it's not that I have absolutely no clue. There's there's things in my dreams that feel more like memories. And every once in a while, I get that sense of deja vu. And I feel like there's I'm going to sound crazy because I don't I don't believe in any of this, but I feel like there's something at the edge of my consciousness. Lean into that feeling. What do you mean? And Alex looks down at the table for a second and then looks over at her. Remember when I told you that I was afraid that when you found out what I was, you would, let's just call it, think differently. I understand what it is like to not be alone inside your own head, because I very rarely am, and I see in what is going on with you a mirror of that. So, let me ask you about another name, Leon Fleur. I feel like I need a role here. Because, like, you're not really persuading, but it kind of feels like a persuade role. Honestly, it could even be a like a moment of, of emotional intimacy. Yes, okay, there we go. So I think I, I'm going to tell Cassandra a secret, which is, you know, that I understand what it's like to have other people in your head, and I think I need to go a little bit further with that. There is something inside you, someone, and I understand this because I am not what you see. I'm not a person. I am an empty building full of ghosts that pretends to be a human. And I think in that moment, Alex's eyes are kind of going a little bit different. His pupils are kind of hollowing out, and we can see an expanse behind them. Uh, if you are familiar with Magritte's The False Mirror, it's kind of like that, but with a dark ocean instead of a nice cloudy day. There are multitudes inside me, and as far as I can tell, there is only one inside you. So I'm telling you a secret about myself, which is that I've got a lot of people inside me, and in return, they enter my web and owe me a debt. So let me ask you if another name seems familiar to you. Leon Fleur. As you were saying all of this, some tears were starting to well up in Cass's eyes. And she reaches out to grab one of your hands. Do you let her do that? Yeah, absolutely. So she, like, places both of her hands on your hand as the tears start to break and chokes out a whisper of, I don't want you to hate me. And Alex, weirdly enough, actually just kind of smiles at that. If anyone is going to end up hating anyone here, it's going to go in the other direction. Just be honest. I'm trying to help you. And if, if that is uh, something that I would need to cash in the debt for to kind of answer me honestly, I... Alex will definitely do that. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good way for this to go. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't supposed to be me. And she, like, is trying to calm herself down, you can tell, but it, it's not going very well. We were told stories in the orphanage about Leon and Mabel, and I always thought they were just 
that stories. And then whoever it was before me, it's all a little fuzzy for me now, but they passed before their time. It 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 wasn't supposed to be me, but I was I was the only one available is what they said. And I I always thought she was just like an imaginary friend and and I was so angry. You don't have anything to be sorry for. You were, and to a large degree still are, innocent of this. But Leon is inside you, and dangerous. So, if you know anything about what they are after, I would appreciate if you would share that with me. The issue, Alex, is that we're after the same thing. Well, hello there, young adventurer. I've been waiting for you. We've met before, don't you remember? Ah, no worries. I'm quite forgetful myself. The other sparks are waiting for you. Leviath, Shuey, Theo, and Brandy. They've had such wonderful tales to tell. A truly marvelous story. I wonder which one of them will be the chosen one. Perhaps none of them will. Perhaps it will be you. The morning's coming soon. I have to leave now. Will I see you again? I sure hope so. Is a story really a story if there's no one to tell it to? Well, goodbye for now, adventurer. Chosen Ones is a visual novel-style D&D podcast on YouTube that releases every Thursday at 1pm CST. Find us on Twitter at Chosen Ones D&D. Come adventure with us. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe to us on your preferred podcatcher and follow us on Twitter at St. Fleur Pod. If you want to support the creators who are bringing you this content, consider becoming a patron. You can find us on Patreon at the link in the episode description. Unable to be a patron but still want to show us your support? Consider leaving us a rating and review on your podcatcher so others can see how much you like what you're hearing. Shadows of St. Fleur is an Urban Shadows actual play podcast emceed and edited by Landon Cornell. You can find him on Twitter at OccasionalGM, and it is part of the Be Gay Roll Dice podcast network, which you can find on Twitter at Be Gay Roll Dice. Alistair, who evidently needs answers much more than he needs friends, is voiced and played by Andy. You can find him on Twitter at AndyLion92. Alex, who has some major dad friend energy when it comes to Cass, is voiced and played by Jeremy. You can find him on Twitter at Tayuface. Silk, who should enjoy what little peace he has while it lasts, is voiced and played by Eric. You can find him on Twitter at PrimeFactorX01. Victor, who is definitely not going to be in the doghouse with one or both of his moms, is voiced and played by Evan. You can find him on Twitter at Nyquist underscore JE. And finally, Jeremiah, who has a real vendetta against demons and will never quite be the same again, is voiced and played by Allison. Urban Shadows is a Powered by the Apocalypse tabletop role-playing game written, designed, and developed by Andrew Medeiros and Mark Diaz-Truman. It is published by Magpie Games, who you can find at magpiegames.com or on Twitter at magpieofficial. A big thank you to Pseudonym Social with their help editing this episode. 
Have you ever wanted to just get to focus on editing your content and let someone else deal with making people sound amazing? Pseudonym Social can help you out. They're changing reality one story at a time, so why not start with yours? Find their info in the episode description. Farewell, dear listener. We'll see you next time you visit St. Fleur. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network.